had a fascinating conversation with my bestie, Miss Tori May Hine, the host of the For Eternity and Until podcast, about your sex life as a Christian. Check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, okay, so today I'm so stoked to be sitting with one of my besties, Miss Tori Hine. What's up, guys? And uh, she does a lot of things. She's a jack of all trades. I can tell already we're going to have fun. Because I can tell in myself <laughs> that I'm already like, this is different. This, this is going to be good, so guys. so fun. Buckle up. No. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually are physically in the same room. Which yes, which never is happens. so much better recording podcasts in Way the same room. Way better. And she knows because she is a podcast host herself. She hosts For Eternity and Until... And uh, it's awesome. She's my faith uh, compass mentor guru, mm. and I'm got her by like what an honor. nine years. I'm older than her, so like <laughs> there's that humbleness of my life. That's funny that you would call me a mentor. I just consider myself being your friend, well, which sometimes is the same thing. Yeah. In ver- you're a mentor to me, and other aspects of life Thanks, so we can Tori. just both be friends <laughs> we're friends of each other's we are iron sharpening iron yes indeed and she's also launching a bible study on ephesians yes August very first 16th. bible study yes on the 16th and i found in covid that we had a lot of time on did our you hands find things in COVID? <laughs> i found things in I the did. middle of 2020 in the midst of covid and um i was locked alone in my house with barely any wi-fi and I just felt like God was saying, hey, get online and read through the Bible with people. We ended up getting through like six or seven books so um, on my Instagram. And then life ended up taking off from there. And I was like, I wasn't doing it. But we've had so many people come back and say, I want to continue. Because I don't know, sometimes reading the Bible is a really complicated uh, experience. And it's hard to fully Indeed. grasp and understand what you're reading to have a friend on a couch with you to read it with you explain it with you that's really all I want to be for people so and you're kind of an authority in a sense because you do have a degree I in, do in bible yes a biblical studies degree to there be exact go. so you know things <laughs> that's that's helpful yes to have a friend that knows actual things about the bible so today I want to have a really exciting conversation with you about um, Christianity in a sexualized world. And you're just such, the reason why I call you a mentor or just, I guess I stand in admiration of you, your sisters, your parents, because mm-hmm. as y'all know, I was not raised in the church with Christianity as a foundation for anything. Yeah. 
And Christianity, I think, is an important anchor for sexuality. Yes. That I did not have. Right. Which led me all of the astray. Mm -hmm. But there's so many people who are Christians that don't allow for that to be an anchor. Mm. And I think we're moving away from... Actually, I had a conversation recently with someone close to me where they said, you know, that's just so not expected from culture anymore to preserve yourself or to have boundaries around sexuality yeah. growing up or yeah. even as an adult and I thought oh my gosh so therefore we just throw it away like we don't mm. need it or gosh and I am also reading A Brave New World have you ever read that yes I'm reading it for the first wow. time I know it's, I like really light reading <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> just some light nighttime reading <laughs> I started that book and so talking about you know, it's like a dystopian, futuristic, like if the world were just to decline in the weirdest, worst ways, that's what this book is representing. And so yeah. um, it talks about promiscuity is the goal. That is the standard of society in this book. And I'm like, how far away are we from that, really? I Not mean, far. that is, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the goal. Mm-hmm. Not of everybody. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly the standard. It's certainly just accepted. And actually, our church has kind of come out recently with just kind of reaffirming a little bit of this, which I love. Yeah. Because I wish I had some of that guidance. Someone just tell you straight up. <laughs> like, hey, maybe don't live together before marriage. Like, And that that would be a thing that you could do. Like, yeah. what? What? What a concept. So the reason why I wanted to talk to you other than you know things, is you did that thing. I you did that thing. did that thing. Like I did that thing. <laughs> and by that thing. <laughs> I let me lay down some, because I just laid down some really great context for you to do that thing. Um, the thing she did was saved herself until marriage. I was a virgin, baby. Which is kukachu in this world um, in a great way. I think that's awesome, but unusual. Very unusual. And that seems to have kind of spread through your family a little bit. And so you have, you are one of four girls. Yes. Which, okay. Yeah. Tell me about that. Props to my parents. A little bit. (laughs) Tell me about your parents and what it's like growing up with four girls. I have a sister and that was a lot. sister. sister. Just one. So tell me about that. Well, I count it as one of the greatest blessings of my life for sure. I love my sister's. It was a very chaotic and crazy house. Um, But our parents are, our parents are loved by not just us, but they're loved by so many people in our community because... Admired. Yeah, admired and loved just for their love for one another, for their Mm -hmm. love and and commitment to their faith. They're married still, also unusual. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think... They're on year 35 or something like that. Yeah. So cool. And my grandparents before them were married for over 65 years. Holy macaroni. It's cool because I, when you're coming from those examples too, I think there really is something to be said of being raised by believers who actually live out what they're telling you to do, which is a huge, that's huge. Like for anyone listening going, I want my kids to blah, blah, blah. I mean, first things first is I'm looking at the man (laughs) in the mirror. (laughs) You got to look at yourself first. Like how am I like, my kids will know the character of God by how I represent it to them first. My mom, um, is a very strong woman and, um, 
she knows what she believes. She's not afraid to share that belief. And she has always shared it with boldness and a deep commitment. My dad and her together make a really cool partnership and team because my dad is a lot quieter. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like in, he's always been the one in vocational ministry. My sure. mom's never been in vocational ministry. She's, she is a teacher, um, an ESL teacher. And she always thought that she would be a missionary. Um, and spent some time in Mexico. So then she fell in love with my dad and they got married and the whole shebang. Um, but it's interesting watching, having watched both of their faiths play out because mom was always the really strong and aggressive one. And dad was always the grace filled and kind and consistent one Mm -hmm. servant hearted. Both of them are. And I, you know, dad calls himself a dodo, a dad of daughters only. <laughs> I, they just kept on trying to bust out that boy uh-huh. and they just kept on cranking out the girls. And I'm the oldest. Mm-hmm. And then there's, yeah, it's Jess, Olivia and Becky underneath me. And um, growing up, though, there was a there was it, Christ was at the center of literally every conversation from a young age up until all all growing up we went to you know private schools and my other two sisters did not go to private school they went to public school so there were a lot of varying shifting factors but when i look at the back the the stage of my life you know you kind of see different backdrops whether it's like your home and your church or your school and the various places where you spent a lot of time right church was a huge aspect of my life, but I also saw it overflow into our lives in every other facet of our existence. So my next question was, how do you think your house was different or similar to other Christian households? But I think you've pulled out some key points already that your parents were walking it out, which I think a lot of Christians rely on Mm -hmm. Sunday to do the Sunday stuff and hope for the best. And both of them didn't grow up believers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. My, my mom was saved when she was 18, 19, 20-ish and similar with my dad. And both of them had had experiences with different relationships and Mm. boyfriends and, um, abuse. And, um, they had to go through their own faith journey. And in a, in a time where, I mean, that was the 70s and yeah. 80s and there were a lot of questions and there was a lot of revival happening honestly sure. in the church especially in um, California where we're from and um yeah when they got married they it, it started with their decision to commit to divorce will never come mm. across our lips like Another we're committed for radical idea yeah we're committed for life and we actually mean it and they had the accountability established to be able to live that out um what does that look like i mean it was i i saw them always in every single stage of life do life with people they've always been held accountable other believers by other believers sure. um i mean my mom's one of those even if dad wanted a divorcer, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> dad wouldn't have ever, wouldn't have ever anyways. But it was just, my mom is not an excuse person. Sure. She is a solution finder. <laughs> and so, you know, she, you see her, she's the mama bear that you want her on your team. If she's going to be going to bat for you, Anita's probably going to win the battle. Oh, she <laughs> is a sticker to her gunners. Yeah. And, and for, I, I have vivid memories of waking up in the middle of the night 
seeing my mom at the foot of the bed, like mm. on her knees, hands on my body. It gets me like choked oh up. Even gosh. just thinking of it, praying for me while I was sleeping. I would like wake up and be like, what are you doing, mom? And she's like, oh, I'm just praying for you. It's okay. Go back to sleep and leave. But I know that, that is profound. she gave me when I got married and when I had my first child, multiple journals of the first years of my, of my life. And I think she maybe did the same thing for Jess. And then by the third child, she's like, sorry, <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> Fourth child. My sister Becky's like, she doesn't even remember what day I was born or my birthday or anything. Bug. We she couldn't got, even we remember, couldn't remember name. her name. The little one, the bug. But she gave me the journals and I'll, I, I read through them recently going through some boxes and stuff of even her prayers and her thoughts before having me. Mm-hmm. And I was the, there were two miscarriages before me. And there was a a weight and a heaviness and a responsibility that she understood. It was her responsibility Mm. to cultivate our hearts. And she very much made it, you know, the goal of her life in that season. She still worked. She was still in ministry. She still did all these things. But we were and always knew that we were the priority for her um, in her very first ministry. Did you feel there was an expectation from your parents in this area of sex or did it come more from a conviction Mm. of your own? I know once you mentioned to me that there's a buy-in, that you have to buy in to the idea. It's not going to come from a restriction or a you'll Mm -hmm. be grounded if... But Which she did do that for a course, certain sure. amount of time. Yeah. I mean, you I mean, start I'm the somewhere. oldest, so you gotta like work through all the kinks <laughs> with the first, and then you figure out, you know, the Maybe second. Maybe don't do that the, next yeah. time. <laughs> sure. I um, mom actually just recently asked me this question. The last time that I was home visiting after my youngest sister just got married, three of the four of us are married currently right now. And she, a friend of hers asked that question, mm-hmm. like, how did you raise girls that understood their worth and saved themselves mm-hmm. for their husbands? Like, what's the X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D plan? Recipe. <laughs> we want recipes. And mom was like, I don't know. Ask Tori. <laughs> <laughs> there was an expectation to, I, I, I remember sitting down and having the conversation about sex with my mom when I was 11. 11, okay. So noted. I noted that that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the time age. and day where she was very matter of fact about it, actually. She like pulled out a, <laughs> pulled out a chart of anatomy. I, it's all a blur, honestly, oh the whole conversation. She would probably remember more, but I just remember she finished and I was like, so the man's part goes inside. <laughs> the girl's part and like just clarifying you know clear as kind to me give it to me straight and mom's like yes yes <laughs> I, was, I started crying oh, that is a horrific realization i Where remember I'm like, i don't want to know this Never. like i'm like i i remember telling her i think i'm done having this conversation <gasps> right now it was actually a week or or two later that i started my period she must have just oh. been she must have known that i was on the cusp of some hormonal shifts and changes that I would need some clarification for what was happening in my body. But there's so many parents that, or people that I'm talking to right now who haven't had that conversation with their child. Like you said that you didn't have that conversation with your mom. I had a conversation, a dog at daycare had their period. And Mm. so I asked about that. (laughs) 
That's great. So I learned about periods and because I honestly, the dog. I'm sure I learned about like the parts going together, like in school. Sure. I remember yeah. sitting in fourth grade. I feel like it was fourth grade, but that seems maybe early. But God yeah. knows, that's probably not the. Well, fourth grade is eleven. Fourth grade okay. is 11, 12. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Where I learned about boys having an erection and I wanted so badly to ask for this clarity of like, it's really going to come up. Like, how will they ever hide that when that happens? <laughs> they don't. <laughs> and uh, I didn't ask that question. So came to find that out later. Which is, I think, one of the main reasons why it's so important to advocate for that being a conversation with the parent so and that not safe space for questions. Yeah, because you do need the safe space to ask the harder questions that you're not going to ask in a schoolroom setting. But it's just or cry. easier, yeah, <laughs> or cry as you did. It's easier to deflect to be like, oh, the teachers can handle that, or someone else can handle right. that. But it's your responsibility as a parent to handle that. And um, as I grew in maturity and started, you know, falling into feelings, deep feelings for boys in middle school and high school. I mean, my mom really did do the stickler thing at first. It was always just the absolutely not, not until you're 16. So when, back up for a second, when you had that conversation at 11, was there an element of this is something reserved for marriage? That Mm -hmm. was addressed right then. Yeah, totally. That's cool. Of saying like, this is, and it always hinges back to, the design and the purpose that God intended for it to be. And when you're communicating that in every single aspect with your kids over and over and over again with parenting with the gospel at the center is essentially saying Jesus has all of the answers. He's the designer and he's the creator for all of these aspects and, um, you know, parts of your existence. And there's a reason. And there's a reason where it's designed to work a specific way. It's not like he just creates you with sexual, emotions for you to just resist them forever and that's going to make you right. more holy you know as some religious sex would believe but um instead it's the god has designed you for this purpose with these desires and they're intended to be fulfilled in the context of marriage and it's something to expect and to look forward to and to delight yourself in in its appropriate time There's a verse in Song of Solomon that my mom always went back to that said, don't awaken love until it's time. And um, even in all of our relationships with boyfriends, Mm -hmm. before they were ever allowed to spend any time with us one-on-one, she sat down with that boyfriend and both parents, my mom and my dad, and explained the expectation and the boundaries that were set by my parents around that relationship with really clear consequences. Like, we find out you're breaking these rules. This is our daughter who we love, you know? And 98% of the relationships in high school will not last into marriage. Right. Now, my youngest sister is um, the 2%. Right. <laughs> they just got married. They've been dating since they were in eighth grade. But I watched them faithfully walk out uh, obedience and honor with my parents from eighth grade on and even they kissed before they were supposed to or something on the timeline or whatever. And 
um, because of the honor and the expectation, Phil, my brother-in-law, actually had enough honor to come back and to apologize and to say to your parents, to my parents, insane. Yeah, to it, to basically say my relationship with Becky, my sister, is so important to me that I will humble myself and ask for forgiveness because we crossed a boundary that you asked us not to. And I want to stay in relationship with this girl. See, the thing is you set clear boundaries like that. You're going to weed out the D bags, but you're also (laughs) that ministered to him. Yeah, it did. The truth is a light, right? We are walking through darkness in so many areas. And when you can shine light, it, it illuminates the path that you're supposed to be on. Yeah. You're literally called to be that in Ephesians. It's you are called to be children of the light and where the light is, it illuminates the darkness. And so when you're shining light from a grace-filled perspective on your sexuality, you know, things are going to get crazy. And you know, mom didn't cover our eyes every single time we're watching something on TV and whatever else. Like there was very much a, an awareness, an awareness and a balance and the freedom for us to choose. And of course she'd usually make like the little side comments like girls, you know, that you don't do that. You know, like, okay, mom. (laughs) I, but I, as an adult, I look back and I may have rolled my eyes or whatever at mom in a younger year, but now as an adult, I recognize and really appreciate and honor my mom for the consistent voice of the reminder of purity and its importance. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. It's a promise to us straight from Jesus in Matthew five. And when we when we um, commit to relationships of purity, it actually allows us to lock in and cultivate growth in all of the other aspects of right. our life that actually bring health and like matter way more than sex and hotness and emotions and all of the sexy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, matters way more in the long run for your relationships. That's, and for anyone who's wondering, does Tori just insert bible verses into regular life yes she does (laughs) yes i do it's the greatest part it's why you're like my compass i'm like boy (laughs) give me a verse yes um so what was your buy-in you said she had this expectation she was setting these boundaries reminding you of these boundaries when did you decide when did that become your boundary you know it's funny because um i i've always known god my entire life like from birth I think my first day in church was when I was seven God days was old in the room when you were born, seven days old. <laughs> and then, so God has always been my God. I remember loving him and knowing of him and even advocating for him on the playground in kindergarten. Um, I got baptized and put my faith in Jesus when I was seven. Um, so he was my savior at that point, but he wasn't my Lord until I was 17. Mm. And that's actually, uh, it was in a season where I had just met my husband He was a good friend of mine. My now sister-in-law was my close friend and I was friends with her brother, Matt, Mm -hmm. who is now my, um, my husband. But at the time they were just new friends and they also were called like, and chose for themselves to live these lives of purity and actually to a much higher degree than I did. Cause Mm -hmm. I didn't have sex, but I did everything else. Sure. It was almost this like, oh, well, like the... I still went through uh, four years of a relationship in high school where it was such a codependent, I'm working for my worth in this relationship, Mm -hmm. that I would let him go as far as that. And then it was like, no. I just knew in my heart, like, this is not yours. It's not yours to take from me. You don't don't deserve it. 
you don't treat like I just understood my worth even though I was still like working it out and like really needed Mm. to come to a place of full repentance and that word repentance is just a change of your mind sure everyone else was doing it everyone else was blurring the lines and there were plenty of my friends who were sleeping with their boyfriends and doing plenty of other stuff and I was somehow the goody two-shoes just because I hadn't crossed the line of actual intercourse right and I but I, I actually encountered God really for this. It was this profound moment when I was 17 at midnight in my room, lights out. I was listening to this song. Kim Walker originally covered the How He Loves Us song. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the song, she goes off on this tangent of prayer. And the line, I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves me. Mm. It still just, it still gets me. They sang it at church last week and I'm like, God, thank you so much for that song. Because it was the love of God that actually established me in the buy-in. The buy-in was, I understood God's love for me. I understood the character of God. And in my relationship with my friends, Matt and Hannah, I saw a like-mindedness there and even a respect and an honor for them in their relationships and in their purity, where there was just this hunger and this thirst for God that I had not seen in any other friend group of mine up until that point. And that influence led me to the decision of breaking off that relationship with that previous boyfriend. And because I had broken off that relationship with that boyfriend, I, I was in my room at midnight um, and he, and hearing this call from the Holy Spirit, like, do I get your whole self? Not just your soul, mm. not just your mind, not just your spirit, but your body too. Sure. I'm Lord of that too. And it was this like, I, I just encountered the love of God and I was never the same after that point. So one could argue that even if you have cross lines that you didn't ever intend to cross Absolutely. or, yeah. you know, you, you wish you would have X, Y, Z. Absolutely. God can redeem that. Oh, and you can 100%. start at that moment yes. and say, the blessing of God is that he removes your sin as far as the East is from the West. And your sin isn't this nasty scarlet letter A that's marked your identity for the whole rest of your life. Your sin is... Uh, choosing our will, not God's will. God's will is he's created you for a specific design and purpose and intention. When we step in just like, you know, Adam and Eve did and said, I understand God's will. I'm going to choose my will. You see death and decay on the other side Mm. of that. But the blessing of being on the other side of of, um, Jesus is that we're not in Old Testament needing to sacrifice bulls and, you know, whatever <laughs> every every Sunday. Like, got to go kill my dog and watch it bleed and oh, see gosh. the result. This, is the, this was the reality of the Jews. They had to watch animals bleed on their behalf of their sins yeah. and their shortcomings. On the other side of Jesus, though, we have a sacrifice that was sufficient to remove your sin as far as the East is from the West. And that moment of repentance, the moment of changing your mind, Right then in that moment, Mm. you're made whole. Right then in that moment, you're made clean. Right then in that moment, you're given a new start. Mercies are new. So if you've, you know, had sex and you've, you know, oh, I, it's a lost cause, may as well. It's almost like when you're on your diet and then you're like, well, had an Oreo, may as well drink a bottle of wine and a (laughs) a whole thing of popcorn and eat multiple. We're not talking about diets here. 
<laughs> but do you see the motive though, is that when you're working from that hustle place sure. of trying to earn right standing with God, then you screw up and you go, oh, it What's doesn't matter point? anymore. Mm-hmm. What's the point? The same mentality as your diet mentality. When you're locked in with a, I'm working from my worth, not for it, then when you fall short, mm. it's it's still, if you're, in, if you're signing up for a long-term relationship with the Holy Spirit, then in marriage, in singleness, in dating, and in, in engagement, and any other aspect or facet of your life, you're signing up to be convicted by God and needing to change your mind on a regular basis. Mm. Welcome to the Repentance Club on a day-to-day yeah, yeah. basis, my friends. But every time we choose that, his the offer of forgiveness and and salvation through faith by grace is given to us every single moment in every facet of our lives and when we're awakened to the reality of that gospel that good news is that i was dead before encountering Mm. god this aspect of my life was dead i experienced trauma I was hurt. I was abandoned. I was taken advantage of. I I didn't understand my worth. When you encounter the love of God and you understand the gospel, the motive is out of gratitude. Mm, that's so good. It's interesting. My my husband and I were not virgins entering our marriage. He had right before connecting with me done what you did and repented of that and mm. knew the reason I'm not in the relationship I want to be in is because I'm not holding up the relationship I want to have you Mm. know I'm not I'm not making a space for that every relationship is is the same and broken and I'm breaking it from the moment I touch it and so he walked through that I never did because I came into my marriage not knowing the Lord and I brought so much hurt into our marriage into our sex life so much brokenness so much confusion Mm -hmm. and et cetera et cetera et cetera that took years to heal and shift and repent of because yeah. I didn't understand that. So I love that that can be today. That can be it any can day. Be, it can be even in the midst of your marriage right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right or your now. your engagement if you're And engaged. even though Matt and I were both virgins when we got married and we made some pretty crazy decisions about what our purity life would look like even in, in our time of dating and being engaged we still had to navigate through obstacles in our sex life. Like, you know, you were so normal if you're like, oh, this is such a hard part. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) And it's like so vulnerable. And our bodies and our spirit and our mind and heart, you are, I mean, you are three in one like God is three in one. You are body, mind, spirit. He's Mm. father, son, Holy Spirit. And when there's a disconnect in our body, there's usually also a spiritual element Mm. to that and a mental element to that as well with your physical issues. So you're, you know, if you're experiencing that, it shouldn't be shame. It's just, you've got options. Let's find healing. And it's absolutely in an encounter with Jesus that we can actually have that full healing. I love that. So you touched on this, but I have to ask, I know that you guys went a step further, (laughs) which is even more remarkable given the culture that we we walk in today to not even to save your first kiss for your wedding day. And you just said you had already done all that. So not only had you done that, it wasn't that those things had been saved for your husband, but you decided you guys made a decision to save all that for each other. What Mm -hmm. was behind that decision and, and how did that play out? It was actually a decision that Matt made for himself early mm. on in his life. He was like, I, 
he is such a, he gives his whole heart away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he gave his whole heart away to so many girls before me, mm. you know, in gifts and forms of like, here's an entire city of love songs and here's my full, yeah, he's just a deep <laughs> feeler. Um, and knowing that he was like, I don't want to give my body away to anyone but my wife. And honestly, I mean, at first I just thought that he was superhuman. And I actually remember when I first met him and found that out about him, that that was something that he wanted to do. I was like, well, that's crazy. And that's super, (laughs) you know, I don't know about that. I could probably get away with making him not do that. (laughs) Actually, he tried multiple times. When we were first dating, so we... Our first date, I mean, this is just a glimpse into how intense Matt was of like a way over I would say dramatic. intentional. Okay, intense. It, he, it's both. With his intentionality. Intense because intentionality. He sat down with me on my first wet, on our first date. Mind you, this is like a couple months after breaking up with said boyfriend I just broke up with. And he's older. He's five years he's older. He's five years older than me. I'm 18. He's 23. I was carrying my ladybug lunchbox <laughs> with me to this date from after school. And um, we met at this coffee shop. He came with his Bible in hand and a bouquet of flowers, like a little gentleman, you know? And I'm like, oh, are we doing Bible study? (laughs) I thought we were going on a date. And he's like, yeah, I actually have a gift for you. And he gives me this list that had, the whole first part of the list was all the biblical qualifications for a wife. And I'm like, wow, we're not even dating. This is going in deep. And then um, the second half was... uh, everything that Matt wants, which was a list of very quirky random elements like not a vegetarian, uh, coordinated enough to where he I could throw something at her, it wouldn't jack her up, a deep sleeper because he's itchy at night, smaller hands than me, smaller feet, like then like literally this was all on the list. Intentionality. And he looks at me and he's like <laughs> It's like, here's his sales pitch. He's like, I know you're not ready to be loved by anyone, but when you are ready to be loved by someone, I want to be the one to do it. And I was like, wow, that's so intense. But also I'm intrigued. (laughs) I won't lie. That is crazy. I went home and I brought it to my mom and I was like, what do you think about this? And she's like, well, are you ready to be his wife? Because he's clearly asking that question. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And she's like, then ask him to be your friend. And I asked him that, like, I came back and was like, I I think you're great. I think you're fun. I enjoy your company. I want to get to know you. And I also want to make all the decisions for where I'm going to college and all these other things. Sure. Without your influence, honestly. And um, he was like, I absolutely honor you for that. He never tried to hold my hand. He was never alone with me. He never pushed any boundaries. Sometimes he'd leave love notes on my car and stuff, which was cute. It's like just enough, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) keep egging me on. Um. But it was this, I had never been pursued like that ever. Mm. Every single woman deserves to feel that sense of love and honor and pursuit. When you set a boundary, they keep the boundary without question. And that just bred so much love and trust for me with Matt in our relationship. And then we decided to start dating about a a month, not even, right before I left for college. So our first full year was long distance, which made the whole not kissing thing a little easier. Sure. But he um, he came and visited me our very first date when we were all alone. You know, we're committed in a relationship with each other. We're on the beach in Oceanside. It was amazing. It was October. It There was a sunset involved and our cute little dog and a 
picnic lunch out on the beach and it was almost like the soundtrack to the night was like kiss me beneath <laughs> kiss the milky the twilight go on and kiss the girl <laughs> oh wow yes and I was like lifting my chin and doing all the girl moves that I knew how to do and he just like was not biting and I was like I'm so pissed <laughs> uh, and I remember him it's confusing. The, the it's world confusing. tells you a guy is not interested if he's not doing XYZ. Yes. And then when a guy is not doing XYZ. There's something wrong with me. Yes. Yeah. He must not be attracted to me. This happened with Tom and I. Same. And I um, and I was frustrated. He could tell that I was frustrated. And at the very end of the night, he gave me a hug before sending me back to my dorm room. And he was like, held me in. And while he was holding me, he was he just whispered in my ear, I love you too much to kiss you because I'd be robbing you of something better I could give you later. And I was like, just who are you? What planet did you fall <laughs> off of? That you have this amount of self-control. <laughs> we were going into my, my roommates and they're like, how was it? And I was like, I told, retold them that whole story. They're like, no. dang. No, sorry, that's a lie. <laughs> he stood you up, didn't he? <laughs> it's funny because said parents who were like, it's important for you to save yourself for, you know, all of yourself for marriage or whatever. My dad, when we were engaged and we still hadn't kissed, was like, I feel like you should at least kick the tires to some degree before you buy the car. Was what yeah. my dad said to my to Matt. Oh he my literally, he, Matt, dad, my dad looked at me and was like, "Do you are you even like attracted physically to him?" Or like my dad right. was like, "I know we gave you a boundary for purity, but you're taking it way further than what we expected sure. you to take it." Now, all this to say is that we we dated for a year we were engaged for about nine months and then all of a sudden matt broke our engagement off and didn't Mm -hmm. call me for like four days and i was like what is going on you know and come to find out i call him and he's like i've just been hiding this thing in my life from you i can't get married to you it's over and i'm like what are you talking like it was the first turmoil in the midst of our relationship right and me being raised by Anita Swearingen, who's a, you know, I'm going to fight till the, you know, it's the we're engaged. And whether you like it or not, my commitment to say yes to you, to marry you before the whole like wedding day happens, I'm living that out now. I was right. married to Matt before I was married to sure. Matt. Like that, that was a process of like, I have to contend if we're going to get married, I want to get married to all of you. And um, little did I know that his decision to not kiss before getting married had a, had mostly to do with a addiction to pornography that began at the age of like 11. Mm. So the same time that I was understanding things about my body, he was too, but mm. not from his parents. Interesting. From other um, influences and conversations with his peers that led to this addiction that he held ca- that held him captive for up until he a told long me. Time. And breakthrough for him and his addiction happened through a process of like, I mean, it was six months for us. We know families and marriages who they had to work through a lot of other Mm -hmm. deeper level counseling and trauma therapy and whatever, because it's not the thing, it's the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so his addiction to pornography like had mostly to do with, I can't welcome anyone into this dark space mm. of my life. So his answer was, I'm going to cut off the relationship. My answer was repentance and restoration. Sure. And so I drove eight hours and surprised him on his doorstep and was like, you want to get married to me? Then meet me tomorrow at church with mm. our pastor and my dad. Mm. And we're going to do this thing. And if you don't want to get married to me, I'll just count that as the boundary, you know? 
and he showed up and it was like this beautiful experience of repentance and sorrow over his sin, but also commitment to the long-term journey of healing mm. both of us. And I mean, at that point, you both committing to the long-term journey. Yeah. Because yeah. I was, I was almost relieved to be honest with you. It was sad and it was hard, but I was also relieved because I'm like, great. That means he's not perfect. Like I thought <laughs> he was, you Amen. know, this is great news. Like I can actually get married to him now and we could like, you know, do life as like two broken, imperfect people. If my whole existence and worth and connection with Matt had been physical, Mm. then entering in an addiction to pornography would have rocked me way harder than it already did, even without that aspect. I like would have been, it would have been a lot harder for me to contend in that space if it was also my body on the line. And my body up against other people's bodies. And, um, you know, like entering into marriage on the other side of that work of counseling and redemption and marriage marriage counseling and just, you know, walking through the process for that. Hmm. We just saw the blessing of God. Like, we actually, I mean, as much as, as sex is weird and hard um, in a lot of ways, it was really effortless for us in our marriage. It was an area of our life that God just called blessed. Mm. You do the hard work up front and it's not as difficult to figure out. Like God designed it to work a certain way. And so everyone's like, was it just so weird? And weren't you just like not able to figure it out on your wedding night? And I was like, what's not to figure it? Like, I just think, oh my gosh, there's little 14, 15, 17 year old girls that are being traumatized by the experience of sex with someone that they barely know. That's traumatizing. Or someone they do not know respects them, loves them, honors They're like, I got to practice before it really matters. I'm like, no, you can get the practice in with the person that really matters. And then it's like, you know. Such a beautiful example of, again, how God will take what the enemy means for evil, which yeah. is absolutely pornography existing. Exactly. And being so prevalent, mm-hmm. specifically in the church. Yes. So, so prevalent. Yes. That God can redeem that. And and Holy Spirit and Matt move that boundary so far to protect Matt, but also pr- to protect you, like you Which said. is still absolutely the leading of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. Because that is not, that is goes against your natural inclination absolutely so obviously i'm sure we can understand that this is an obvious question but how much did it mean to you specifically to have waited oh man i i have heard so many christian women who on the other side of marriage still feel guilt and shame Mm -hmm. around sex and because of uh, I mean, so many people have various perspectives around the purity culture and its influence and some of those like stricter rules, almost breeding shame. For me, it was, I just understood the motive was gratitude and gratitude for what God had done for me and an acknowledgement of God's love for me mm-hmm. and his intention. So on my wedding day, celebrating even my first kiss with 400 people who knew and loved me, like people brought confetti cans and blow horns it's like you may kiss the bride and the whole room would just like you know and i like will never forget that moment in my entire life it was just amazing and leaving going we got to use our marriage as a means of testifying to the grace of who god is and giving people like i still Mm -hmm. get messages from people on my anniversary like 
that's still one of my absolute favorite weddings to go to because it really felt like we were celebrating something we were all bought mm. into too, which I think is a real key factor is we told people we're saving our, our, our first kiss. So almost like every time that you're up really late at night and you're like, ah, oh, it's going to be worth it later, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and then in, in that aspect of our relationship, everything else was so solidified. We had gone to those deep places spiritually and emotionally and in our communication to where like sex and all these things physical and even honestly growing older and bodies changing Mm -hmm, and, you know, just mm -hmm. the comfortability of like, I'm, I chose in sickness and in health and in young age and in old age that we're going to delight ourselves to make the choice to delight ourselves in one another. There's that sense of home and belonging there that you don't have to question, you know, do I measure up to anything? Cause that's not the standard for the relationship in the first place. Mm, that's so good. You see why I wanted to have this conversation. <laughs> so that's I good. know it feels like I looked it up and the average age that a child is exposed to pornography is seven or eight. Yeah. So that means that to make that an average, yeah, there's a lot younger kids being exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And more than half of American girls and boys will have had sex by their by the time they're 18. Yeah. So we're not waiting till adulthood, at least half of us. But sexually active, as you mentioned, before that in other ways, right? Yeah. Which in some ways can be even more compromising. I mean, mm-hmm. I know a lot of that stuff is is and was scarier than the actual thing. Yeah, um, that's true. Right? And I know gosh, of, of a dad who had a 13-year-old daughter who talked about it is normal at 13 mm-hmm. for there to be oral sex happening on the school bus home. That oh, is a thing wow. that she knows is happening. She's seeing it happen in real life, in real life not on a screen somewhere. It just breaks my heart. Yeah. So knowing that that's where we're at in the culture. So you're, how old are you? you I'm 30. 30. Yeah. I always think you're just never going to become 30. I'm just perpetually 12 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Just turned 30. So it's a different world even now than when you got married 10 years ago. It is. So what is you, you have, we both Mm -hmm. have a boy and a girl. Yeah. I have two boys. Yeah. What are your hopes and expectations knowing the world's not moving towards your Mm -hmm. example, moving farther away? Yeah. Do you still have this hope and expectation? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like without a shadow of a doubt, absolutely. Because our generation of children in the church right now are being raised with the knowledge that there is no junior Holy Spirit. Mm. There is no junior Jesus. Okay. You get the real thing right off the bat. And for even my daughter and my son of teaching them to honor each other's bodies Mm. is first Honor your sister and her body. You know, uh, Amara, honor Micaiah. Micaiah, honor Amara. The honor between siblings, I think, is the first way that you really learn that honor. Mm-hmm. And then as it grows, and Micaiah and I have already had conversations, and I like not having fear around this conversation. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing I hear with so many Christian people is, I'm so afraid of my kids xyz doing xyz so i just don't even want to have the conversation or they make it such a uh, pressure filled thing that you actually scare them away from purity because there's just this you know but i want my children to understand that god has designed them to feel certain experiences in their body Mm -hmm. and that that is actually okay 
Mm-hmm. Like up until uh, there's a reason why the boys at 11 and 12 start ha- like experiencing, um, you know, being exposed to pornography and stuff. That's usually like the main area is because that's when they start experiencing mm. erections or might be having their first wet dream. Mm-hmm. I want there to be enough of a, of a um, trust built with my son and a mm-hmm. trust built with my daughter to where nothing is ever off the table for us right. to talk about. Shameful. And if there's something that happens that does happen that's out out of line, then it's addressing it with truth and with love and then just moving on. And like not, you know, like with the the boundary is set and I'm going to trust you and honor you to, to meet that boundary. And then if it's not, then we're going to have to address it then at that point when it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but do I believe that purity can still happen and will happen for our generation? Yes. And I also know that even if it doesn't, that God, that doesn't disqualify them mm-hmm. from the work of of the gospel. And we've seen that in the life in our, both mine and Matt's lives Mm -hmm. and in my parents' lives and in the generations to come that there's, this isn't the make or break thing for your children's heart. Um, them knowing Jesus and knowing the love of God Mm -hmm. and understanding the gospel, that's the make or break. And from everything else, when you have a motive of grace, in your sexuality, then you're motivated by something intrinsic where you're bought in with the understanding of God's best is he is God is for me, not against me. Mm. He, and he is for my body and he designed my body and he is for my marriage and he is for my sexual life. Sure. Um, without needing shame to be in that picture. So yeah, I just pop the pressure bubble and just be willing to walk that out with your kids and be willing to allow them to fail and meet them with that grace and love on the other side. And you said, I know your little motto is clear as kind. Yes. Transparency, not shying away from the conversations. I know my mom asked me once when I was echoing this. Yeah. My expectation (laughs) is my kids are going to wait And uh, she just, you know, rightfully so, thought that was crazy because she didn't. She didn't know anyone who did. I didn't. I didn't know anyone who Mm -hmm. did. So, like, why on earth now would I expect that what seems Mm old-fashioned to be a part of my children's lives? But, you know, she said, are you just going to not tell her that you did? And I thought, that's just so funny. Like, no, I feel like, of course I'm going to tell her that I did. Yeah. Of course I'm going to bring. My parents told me. Oh, yeah. that, Yeah. that, That... here's how that hurt me and broke yeah. me and here's what I brought into my relationship and I have regret over that you know like looking right. back I mean regret maybe is the wrong word because I don't believe in regrets per se I learned from that let's say yeah that I didn't know there was another way you get to know that right. there's another way to begin that part of your life right and protect that part of your life so that you don't have to deal and I'll be honest still I've been married 13 years it's still not gone. It's still not eliminated. Mm -hmm. And I am still daily pray over that healing Mm -hmm. in my own life, in my own mind, you know, yeah, there's, it's so much that you bring in. Yeah. The analogy that my mom gave me was, she's like the design for marriage, which is Ephesians five is that the two bodies become one. And your marriage and sex itself is designed to unify genders, to be this one gender, Mm. one body made in the image of God. And it's the mirror between Christ and the church, God in us. Mm. Okay. 
So every time that we in that we choose to have sex and then we break apart from that, it's not only breaking apart your intimacy in your body and you're leaving a piece of yourself mm-hmm. with that person mm-hmm. every time, but it's also breaking down the um, the real purpose for eternity and until, which is their podcast, mm-hmm. of seeing the eternal purpose in how our natural lives are designed here on earth to work and to function. Even the reality that like you have sex the very first time and at least, you know, before the existence of tampons and all these other things, you would bleed, you would Mm -hmm. break the skin and it would bleed that the shedding of blood in scripture was always the mark of a covenant. Mm. Covenant was never established without the shedding of some blood. Interesting. So when you're making covenant with random people all over this, you know, then it does diminish the holiness of what sex is is absolutely and um when you understand that it's like there's a spiritual element and this physical element and this beautiful sensation and all these other things i don't know when i was awakened to that perspective it just gave me like it made it more holy and more sacred to me which get to know your bible understand these aspects of how god has designed it and communicate that to your children they're going to do with it as they choose to sure. do with it but as long as they're it's communicated to them then they can actually choose from that place what they want to do with their life and their body and their sexual choices great conversation thank you so <laughs> much for being such an open book in this relatively vulnerable personal area oh you know me. <laughs> Let it be a ministry to others. Thank for you sure. for having me. That was great. My pleasure. So where can they find it's for eternity and until? Yep. I'll, we'll put the link in the show notes so yep. that you can have it. You can look up on Apple um, Podcasts. You can look up on Spotify, basically anywhere that you can find podcasts. Where do they find your Ephesians study? If you could, you can go to torymayhine.com or you can go to foreternityandunthill.com. And um, you'll see a link to uh, our Ephesian study that'll launch in August, August 16th. So if you want to join us for that, you'll get an, a little ebook and 12 audio lessons. And actually, there were pieces of that Bible study even in this uh, mm. conversation. Of that, course. You know, that's just the way that the Bible works. It's all in, <laughs> intertwined in all these things. But yes, would absolutely love to have you. Awesome. Well, thanks, friend. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Tori. Thank you for her wisdom. Thank you for her mentorship. Thank you for her heart. Thank you for her testimony. Thank you for her vulnerability, Lord, in this topic and in this subject. Thank you that um, she is an encouragement and an empowerment in this specific area in our life and in our walk with you, Lord. We just pray that our hearts can be turned more towards this standard, more towards your desire, more towards your design, Lord, and that um, we would just strive to be that light for others and that encouragement for others and that example for others, Lord, as our, in our own walk, but also as parents and as we raise our children up to follow you, Lord, and live in your design. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.